Last week we talked, we began to talk about the fear of the Lord, something often we overlook in the church body, especially in this day and age. America likes warm fuzzy, doesn't it? America likes to feel happy, doesn't it? You say, why are you picking on America? Because I happen to live here, so it's the one I know best. We like to be happy. We like, we like not to struggle and suffer. We like not to have those things. But here's the deal. We cannot pursue happiness. We must pursue the Lord because in the Lord we find joy. We find peace. We find salvation. Amen? We oftentimes overlook fear of the Lord because we hear that word fear and we think, oh, great, here we go again, beating me down with the Word, with the Bible, telling me what I'm doing wrong, telling me what I've done and I've not done right. Tell me, you know what? That's your own definition of fear. The definition of fear that comes from out of the Word, if I remember, if you remember correctly, I had people hold up a coin last week. One coin with two sides. One side is fear of the Lord. The other side is loving the Lord. Oftentimes we have looked at fear of the Lord as being that which is negative. I've got to be afraid of God. No, you have to be afraid of not being with God. Amen? You have to fear not being blessed by Him because He's not holding out on you. We oftentimes are running from Him. That's why Jesus emphasized in John 15 a million times, abide, abide, stay with, stick with, don't budge, don't move, abide, stay with me, I'm with you. Draw near to God, James says, and he will do what? Draw near to you. We cannot be budging away from the presence of God Almighty. How many know? Uh, I'm going to step back here. How many have tasted and seen that God is good? Sometime or another, you've tasted and seen that He is good. You say, I don't know what happened, though. I have fallen away. I've lost that love and feeling. Come on. We have gone down that path way too many times. How many say amen? You know you've done it. But He says, hell, you know what? This is what I want you to do. I want you to walk in the fear of me, loving me. You say, what does that look like? Let me throw a verse out at you real quick. We'll get somewhere. We're going to land this plane here in a moment. But Psalm 36 says this, I have a message from God. Now, this is David, but I'll represent here. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. Let me just condense that. There are far too many people who are walking in the rebellion of saying, God, I know better than you. Now, I want you to be honest with yourself for a moment. How many at times have thought, God, I'm just going to be honest with you. I know better what I need than you do. Come on. Come on. You say, maybe I haven't said it, but I certainly have lived like it. Right? I know better. And isn't it interesting that the creation would look at the Creator and say, you don't know what you're talking about. But I'll worship you. On Sunday mornings, I'll gather together. But you don't know what you're talking about. 
You say, oh, that's kind of harsh. Well, guys, this is, let me define it for you. Psalm 147. I was all over Psalms with this stuff. Psalm 147, verse 10. Check this out. You ready for this? His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse. He doesn't care how much horsepower you got. Nor is his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him who put their hope in his unfailing love. Did you just see that? In this one verse, they took fear of Lord and his what? His love. It's in there together. He says he doesn't delight in how strong you think you are or how much stuff you got or how much ability you have. If you are leaning on that, you're not walking in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, if we're not walking in the fear of the Lord, we're not walking in obedience. And if we're not walking in obedience, you are in no shape to receive His love. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. God does not hold out His love. Nowhere in Scripture do I find God holding out His love. What I find is people who refuse to believe and refuse to get themselves into the position to do what? Receive that. I almost got into a catcher's position. Come on, if you're not in that position and that guy's throwing a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, you better be in position or else you're going to get hit. And it's not going to feel good. You're not going to be ready to receive. What is that position, walking in the fear of the Lord? Let me go on with this just for a moment. Who's hearing me just for a moment? Psalm 33, check this out. No king is saved by the size of his army. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its strength, it cannot save you. It can't save. But are you ready for this? But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love. So the Lord says, get your eyes off of what you think you can do and start getting them on what I have done. Start fearing the fact that I, if I do this in my own strength, it's not going to turn out real good. And I've asked you a million times before, and I don't mind asking you again, because Paul said over and over, and Peter, it doesn't hurt me to remind you, how many times have we in our own strength attempted to walk and we have fallen flat in our face? How many? How many have successfully guided them, themselves through life in their own strength? Anybody? I really want to talk to you after. We'll, th we'll write a book about it. The one person that made it without God. Isaiah 31 says this, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. That's where we're going to hit today. Isaiah says this, Woe to those who done do for the next couple of weeks. But one of the ones is this, our willingness to submit to the fact that He knows better than me. And I will seek my God for help, and I will not seek within or my abilities or my gifts, but I will seek Him. And if He chooses to use my abilities and my gifts, so be it. 
but I will seek Him first. You know, I landed uh, uh, a couple days ago sitting in Daniel. Um, in fact, I shared a little bit last week. But it, it was astonishing to me. How many remember Daniel, uh, Darius, King Darius, had made, uh, was very impressed with Daniel and actually made Daniel one of a, a large number of what was called satraps. They were kind of like governors of territories. But then he made Daniel like the top guy because he knew that this Daniel feared the Lord. He knew that this Daniel was a man of integrity. He knew that this Daniel was just an amazing guy. And so he decided, I'm going to make this guy the head of all the rest of these governors, these satraps they called. But the rest of the satraps didn't like it because they didn't like the fact that Daniel didn't have any dirt that they could overthrow him with. Because politics back then is no different than politics today. Amen? Nothing's new under the sun. Why are we ever shocked? Why are we ever shocked? And so these guys come into Darius, King Darius, and say, hey, let's just put out a decree because we want to honor you for the king you are. Let's put out a decree that if anybody prays to anybody else other than you, O King Darius, over the next 30 days, they be thrown into the what? Lion's den. Well, Darius, of course, at that point was not a God-fearing man. He just knew what he saw in Daniel, but he decided, hey, I like that, and he signs it into law. This is what I love. This group of guys ran to Daniel's house and stood up underneath the window because they knew if this man of God really trusted his God and sought his God for help, in a few moments, those windows are going to fly open, and they're going to see Daniel doing what? Praying. And it says, sure as all get out, they walked up there and they looked up, that window opened up, there's Daniel, and it says very specifically in the Scriptures, and Daniel asked God for help. Now here's the thing, he wasn't just asking God for help about this situation, this is something that Daniel did all the time. How many know we're very quick to run to God for, to ask for help when things are going tough? But may I ask you a question? Is that really faith? Ooh, is that really faith? Or is it's panic? Thank you, Pastor Jim. It's panic. It's not fear of the Lord. It's just plain good old-fashioned what? Fear. Fear of the Lord brings us to asking Him for help when everything's going really what? Good. And going well. Lord, I trust you. I know everything feels good right now, but I want to be with you because I'm afraid not being connected with you more than I am afraid losing that, 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 that good feeling. I want to be connected with you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be abiding by you. In fact, the enemy wants me to look at how bad things look and how, how, how bad I feel, and he wants me to get my eyes off of you, God, and, and, and start making me and, and deceiving me into believing that somehow I have a better way. How many here have thought at one point or another, you've got a better way than God? i got a better way if I just do this or this. See, God would understand, or God, you don't have a clue. How many know that what God says is what's best for you and for me? How many know that the heart above all else is deceitful, the Scripture says? We do not know oftentimes what we need unless we are operating in the mind of Christ. So for us to sit around foolishly and believe that somehow we know better than what He has said, and what happens is oftentimes we land ourselves right in sin, don't we? 
right in the middle of the manure pile. And we end up stinking. And, and isn't it interesting? It says the Lord does, loves to see, and His eyes are on those who fear the Lord, whose hope is in His unfailing love. The moment we get our eyes off of His unfailing love, off of Him, we lose all what? Hope. We no longer have hope, at least within. We no longer have hope. And then we're walking around wondering why life's falling apart and we're feeling hopeless. Anybody been there before? When all the Lord is saying is, hey, get your eyes back on me. Stop trying to do the religious thing. Start doing the relationship thing where you say, Lord, I want you. Who's with me right now? Okay, a couple of you are today. I'm glad. I think I'm with me too just for a moment. So let, let me have you real quick turn, if you could, to Second Chronicles 16. Second Chronicles 16. We are just going to skim this really fast today. Actually, we're going to start in 14. And we're going to talk about a, uh, one of the kings of Israel named Asa. Now, Asa, or he's actually, I'm sorry, Judah, the, the nation had already split, so he's a king of Judah. And, and Asa was a king that started off very well, actually. And how, why, why was it when we find out in Chronicles and Kings that a king started off well? It was because his eyes were on who? The Lord at all times. So, just starting out in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 2, if you're there, let me hear you say amen, just so we... Verse 2 says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Did it mean that Asa went to church all the time, read his Bible, he prayed, and he got all the good, all those check marks on his list? Is that what he did? No. What was it that Asa was doing? His eyes stayed fixed on who? On God. On God Almighty. So, verse 2 says, he did that. And as a result, at the very end of uh, of verse 6, it says, the Lord gave him rest. I'm going to tell you what, when our eyes are fixed on the Lord, we will have rest. Now, I want you to just jump down to verse 11, because I want you to see this declaration Asa made. Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God. For we rely on you. Who do we rely on? And in your name we have come against this vast army that's against us. Lord, you are our God. Who declared that this week? You are my God, Lord. And I believe you are my help. And I believe you know better than I do. Amen? So Asa is, is continuing to move in this way. And, and let's move down to chapter 15 and verse 2. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are what? The Lord is with you. Everybody repeat after me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. Now, it doesn't mean that you're standing up there with your 10-gallon Bible beating it around and just declaring. It means you are connected and in relationship with Him. You're abiding with Him. When you abide with Him, He's abiding with you. You're connected. You're in relationship with Him. For those of us that struggle so deeply to understand why this is happening or why I feel bad about this or why is this bothering me so bad, all my answer is let's get our eyes back on the truth whose name is Jesus. And let's start there. 
Because somewhere along the line, if something has, has taken hold of you and is causing an issue in your life and you're losing hopelessness or losing hope and you're, you're filled with hopelessness and you're, and, and you're battling in, in weakness and you just, and sins just over, somewhere along the line, the relationship you had with you and the Father, something got in the way. And I can guarantee it wasn't the Father. What it was was we lost fear of the Lord. We lost our fear of the Lord in being connected with Him. We lost it. How do I lose something like that? Because we get our eyes on what we think we know and what we think is better than what He said. If you seek Him, this goes on in in verse 2 of chapter 15, if you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You say, oh, that sounds pretty cruddy. Why is he going to forsake me? Guys, you have to be in what position? A receptive position to receive from the Lord. If you are not, can he give it to you? He can't. He cannot. Drop down to verse 12 of chapter 15. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart, their soul. Verse 13, all who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death. Whoa, what? Yes, because what happens in within the community, those who are representing the Father in the nation, if we're saying, hey, we know better, and they're in flat-out rebellion... That actually impacts the rest of the body, too. That impacts the rest of the body. Boy, this was hardcore how they dealt with that. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting, and with trumpets and horns, and they sought God eagerly, and He was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. I just want to say one thing with all eyes up here for one moment. God takes not you being a super-duper Christian religious person, seriously. God takes His relationship with Him and your relationship with Him extremely seriously. In fact, the only way to exist as a believer is to truly be a what? A believer in relationship with Jesus. See, this, this standing on the fence stuff, this batting back and forth, this thinking that somehow our thoughts have some kind of power and momentum to move us beyond our situation rather than trusting Him, that's going to get us into a load of problems. Every time. Who's hearing me? Every time it's going to get us into a load of problems. We do not know better than the Lord. And what is it to be a believer? I believe that He knows better than. I believe that His salvation is far greater than any salvation I could provide myself. I believe His redemption is far greater than any redemption I could provide myself. I believe His strength. I believe His mercy. I believe His grace. I believe His forgiveness. You want to know why people live in unforgiveness for so long? Because somehow they think that they have to be the ones to take care of business. And if they let go of that, they let go of control of that situation. When in actuality, the Lord said, hey, 
I forgave, you forgive as I have forgiven you. I will help you, I will strengthen you to do so, but you forgive as I have forgiven you. And let go. You don't know better and you don't know what you're getting into if you keep holding on to this. Who's hearing that? You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Lord, I can't. No, you can't, but that's what I'm preaching. You don't know better. You don't have a better way. He does. He's made the better way. Amen? So how many here so far think Asa has done pretty well? He sought the Lord. He's asked Him for help. He's been in relationship with the Father. Yeah. But as oftentimes can happen, we get disillusioned. We get dis- and something happens and whatnot. So we see the Lord has protected, the Lord has provided, but let's get down to chapter 16. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Vasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. How many know here, just from reading that now, that things are looking pretty rough on the outside? Amen. Yes, they are. So, What typically had Asa been doing all his life? Every time things were looking rough, what did he do? Every time things were going well, it seemed like, what did he do? He went to the Lord first. And then if the Lord led him to do something in his giftings or in his strength or in his skills, then greater, somebody else is great. But who was the final say? He's the first and final say. But check this out in verse 2. I don't know what got in between Asa and the Lord, and I know it wasn't the Lord. Asa, verse 2, then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, which is a pagan country, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between you, me and you as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. Who is now trying to take care of business? Asa, what's the deal? Not only did he try to take care of business, he just pulled all the sacred uh, silver and gold out of the Lord's temple. So basically, he had to walk in the Lord's house and say, I know better this time. Come on. I know better this time, so I'm going to take care of business now, God. When has the Lord ever failed him? But what I do know is Asa lost the fear of the Lord, didn't he? In fact, he got very complacent with God's blessings and love, didn't he? How many know we could get very complacent with that? We can get used to it. We treat God's love and grace like it's some kind of common thing if we're not careful. That's why the Lord says, fear me. Be in awe, submission, reverence, worship of me. Because it would be an awful thing not to be in my presence. And even more so, it would be an awful thing to end up in my presence without ever being in relationship with me. Amen? So we move along. (laughs) Let's look down here real quick. Verse 7, at that time, Hanani, the seer, kind of like a prophet, came to Asa 
Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on who? The Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram, has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on, you're going to be at war. Now, why does God send a prophet to declare that? Is it because He's out to get Asa now and judge Asa, or is He trying to get Asa to do what? Repent and get his eyes back on who? So we have one of two choices. We either go, you're right, Lord, I surrender, I repent, please forgive me, and the Lord will. Please forgive me, I will rely and lean on you. Or we can do the other thing and get mad and decide that we still know better than God. And what happened with Asa? Verse 10, Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so arranged, enraged that he put him in prison. And at that time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. What? This was one of Judah's great kings. What happened? What happened? Verse 11, the, eight, the events of Asa's reigns from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from doctors. <laughs> See, what ends up happening is this. I'm so angry, I'm so bitter about what's going on. Really, no, what it is is you want to do what you want to do. I'm so angry, I'm so bitter about what's going on. You really just want to stay like this because you want to keep control of what's going on here. You think you know better, You're, but I'm so angry that I don't care what you say, God. Asa lost the fear of the Lord. And yet the fear of the Lord is this, God. I know it's all troubles everywhere. You're my only hope. Lord, I know things are going well. You're greater. Who's hearing that? I do not want anything to come between me and my relationship with God Almighty. But one thing will come between your relationship with you and God Almighty. That is you. That is you. Oh, but you don't understand what I've walked through. Hey, I'm not talking about what you walked through. I'm sure it was horrible stuff, but there is one that will bring you through. Can anybody attest to that? That God will set you free, amen? How many have been set free from God, by God Almighty? Come on, yes. This is not about living a perfect life. If anything, this is about an imperfect person being made perfect by being in relationship with Him. This has never been about how good you look as a Christian. This has been about how well you fear and love the Lord God Almighty. Oh, but I struggle so much to hold, keep control. I struggle so much because I, things are just so tough and people just don't understand. Get past the feelings. They are not God. Get past the lies. They are not God. Who's hearing me? I know a couple over here are. Anybody on this side? Oh, you can't hear what God, okay. Uh, do get past those things and realize that He is more than enough. 
I fear not being connected with Him more than I fear what's going on around me. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord, amen? Because it's, the, it, it, it's just the other side of the same coin. And what's on the other side? Loving Him. You know, I know a lot of people really relish in the knowledge that we gain from the Word and the knowledge of God. But what did Paul say? Knowledge puffs up if that's all we have. Knowledge puffs up if that's all we lean on. But it says, but love builds up. Well, how do I get love? I get filled up by the Lord. How? By getting into position. How do I get in position? By being obedient to what He's told me. So let me say one thing to you. I hope you have a lot of knowledge of the Lord, but even more so, I hope you're obeying it. Believing it and obeying it. See, this is where we get into a, a problem. Sin starts to get poo-pooed. And, this stuff, and before you know it, we are in a place we have no business being. Amen? We are in a place we have no business being, and we wonder how we got there. And the first person we, the first one we start to look at is, where are you, God? I've met more agnostics and atheists that find it more convenient to say God and it doesn't exist than admitting they have a problem here. You say, oh, that's kind of a generalized statement. No. That's why, in general, there's a lot who don't believe in God that are very angry. Something happened here, and it's not God. And let me just add this side note. He did everything to get you back. He's done everything to get you back, and He's not sitting around just waiting for you to fail. He's sitting there going, my son, my daughter, come on. You're destroying yourself with your eyes continually on yourself, on your feelings, on your thinking, on your mind. Get your mind, get your eyes off that. Get them on me. What is the fear of the Lord? Being humble enough and submitting to the fact that God is your help. And what Psalm 121 say? For those who know it, he is an ever-present help in time of trouble, and let's just put in parentheses, and every other time. Amen? Amen? How many here today honestly love the Lord? You just love the Lord. Yeah. I'm not, I'm just, I just, I am who I am. I love the Lord. Okay. So can you say that knowing that you can only love the Lord if you fear the Lord? You are not able to love the Lord unless you fear Him. See, it's the same, it, 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 two sides of the same coin. The Lord wants to pour out over each of you. I'm going to just read these last four verses out of Proverbs just so you can pick up. You ready? So we can remove this whole, our three verses, we can remove this whole idea of fear being a negative thing. You ready for this? If this is for you, take hold of it. Physically take hold of it. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. That one, may that one may turn away from the snares of death. That's Proverbs 14, 27. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and their children will have refuge. 
Hello? This is the word. I'm just preaching the word. Proverbs 25, the friendship of the Lord. Okay. How many say, I am a friend of God. Whoa, I am a friend of God. We like that song, don't we? Check this out. We just need to be certain we have perspective here. The friendship of the Lord is for those only, for those who fear Him. Now, it doesn't mean that He's saying, I don't want to be your friend. No. If anything, if He didn't want to be your friend, He would have never sent Jesus. So, once again, if there's something going on here... It's not God. Who's with me? The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, God Almighty loves every one of you. How many know that? Come on. He loves every one of you. But He also says, hey, you got to get in a position to receive that love and operate in that love. you got to get into that position, and that position begins with what? The fear of the Lord, obedience, listening, and doing as He leads you. Lord, I want You to help us right now to see that. Help us to see that right now. Quite honestly, if Cherie asks you for help but just does her own thing, then it's ridiculous. If Sam does it, or if Helen does it, Lord, if I try to prepare another message in my own strength, it's going to fall flat and do nothing for anybody. But I thank you in the name of Jesus that, Lord, your help, when I seek you for help, you will hear me, and you will enact in my situation. And I will trust you, God Almighty. For you are my help, you are my strength, you are my forgiveness, and you are my love. I thank you, Lord, you're my joy. Boy, there is joy in fearing the Lord. Because I know who my God is, and I know what He has shown me, and I know that He is a fortress around me. He is protection. He is a shield. He is my rock, my foundation. I will stay abiding in Him, and He is abiding in me. He will never leave me or forsake me. He is with me in all things. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So I take hold of you right now, Lord. So, Lord, those areas where we have not feared you and we've tried to rely on our own strength and our own attitude, our own skill, our own abilities, or those things around us, Lord, we repent right now. I repent in Jesus' name. I want to get my eyes back on you. You You are who I need. Help us, Lord. You're not holding out. And we give you praise. God, you're good. Let's just stand right where we are. Thank you, Jesus. You might know this one, but let's just kind of end with that because I really wanted to make it a time of prayer. Oh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His. All right, here's my last 10 seconds. Please don't miss this. 
if anybody has fallen away, if anybody has turned themselves from him in their own thinking that somehow they've got a better, a better what's better for them and they can come up with a better idea. <clears throat> the Lord is not interested in bringing destruction upon you. The Lord desires to draw you back and he will even help you in that. Because David said again and again, especially in Psalm 51, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So he will even give you that. Just get your eyes on him. Be in relationship. Walk in the fear of not being with him. And he will be your strength. In next to you, to God be the glory. Amen.